This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. With exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, the Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast, where we talk about Christ and all the scriptures for every church, and we're continuing our look at the book of Judges. Uh, this week, we'll be looking at chapter 9 and Abimelech. And so, John, uh, why don't you start us off with a summary of what's going on there in uh, the story of Abimelech? Yeah, so again, this is this is the point in the book where the cycle that we've seen is kind of shattered, because you don't. it doesn't end with the rest statement after the... Uh, the, the rule and rescue of Gideon, and it continues on with this story about his illegitimate son, Abimelech. And so really, the Abimelech story that we're going to cover this week is a continuation and the conclusion to the life of Gideon. And so as we, as we talked about last time, um, Gideon rightly refuses the kingship when the people offer it to him, and then he begins to act in a manner not consistent with his answer. And so, mm. and again, the issue is that it's not, the issue is not for Israel that the desire for a king, it, the issue is a desire for a king like the kings of the nations. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. Judges tells us at the end, we're going to see the problem. There's no king in Israel. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. There was a law put in place well before this time in Deuteronomy where there was going to be a kingship, but there were certain prohibitions and admonitions that the king was supposed to to follow in order to distinguish himself to be a, a king after God's own heart. And so some of those things are not to multiply gold, not to multiply wives. Gideon does all of that. First thing he does is he, he multiplies gold, then he, then he multiplies uh, wives. He has a concubine, you know, there's like girlfriends. And one of his girlfriends is a, we think probably a Canaanite lady who lives in Shechem. Shechem was, potentially a, a, a place where the Canaanites and Israelites lived next to each other. And so um, he has this Shechemite girlfriend and she has a son named, and he names him, um, which is, is important. It's not the girlfriend that names him. It's, it's Gideon who names him uh, Abimelech or Abimelech, which is literally my dad is king. So Melech is the Hebrew word for king. Ab, Abba, you know, the word for father. The I is the is the first person possessive. My father is king, uh, Abimelech. And so we're introduced to this guy, Abimelech. Now, uh, Gideon dies, and it it the cycle is kind of, it, it stays in place there. As soon as Gideon dies, the text says, the people whore after the Baals. In fact, it's so bad that they have this, they, they make Baal bereath, which means Baal of the covenant. So it's like, like a mixture of of covenant relationship with the Lord and Baal that they kind of put together. And so it's just, uh, you know, awful idolatry that they're engaging in, but they are condemned by the author for not showing kindness to the house of Jerob Baal. <clears throat> That's Gideon. And, um, 
And then we kind of see in the Abimelech episode how that plays out, how they they don't show kindness to the house of Gideon. So just very quickly, what happens in chapter nine is Abimelech comes to his mom's side of the family in Shechem and basically says, hey, convince the leaders of Shechem to let me become king. You don't want 70 sons of of Gideon ruling over you. Besides, I'm your blood. You know, I'm your kin. They go to the leaders. They like that idea. They finance his campaign against his father's house from the temple of Baal. And so he hires these thugs and they go to his dad's house and they kill 70 of his brothers. And, um, or at least they think they kill all 70 of his brothers. The text tells us that one, the youngest Jotham, uh, hides himself away and is spared from it. And then the Shechemites make, uh, Abimelech king. And the, at the after party, uh, the son Jotham, who had hidden himself away, goes up on Mount Gerizim, which was the Mount of Blessing in Deuteronomy, preaches a parable to the people about trees of the forest wanting a king over them. And they go to these noble trees and they refuse to be king. And then they end up having the thorn bush be king over them. And the story is, you know, thorn bushes are good for brush fires. And so there's going to be basically, he says, there's going to be mutual destruction. The thorn bush and the trees are going to be destroyed by this. Uh, basically unholy alliance that's being that's being formed. And then he runs away and hides. And then what happens is Abimelech rules over Israel. He's he's Israel's first king. He rules over Israel for three years, text tells us in chapter 9, verse 22. Then God sends an evil spirit, which is interesting. They talk about that to to get between and to create conflict between the leaders of Shechem and Abimelech. And um and so the, the leaders of Shechem turned against Abimelech. They set uh, ambushes in the highways uh, as people are traveling by, which is kind of, you know, for a king, a governor, law and order, protecting your citizens is one of the main things that you're supposed to do. You're not able to do that. It's, uh, you know, that's a that's a hole in your resume, so to speak. And so um, so things get worse. And then this guy named Gaul, the son of Ebed, which it, literally the, his name means vile son of a slave. Uh, comes to town and they kind of that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, not a lot of people probably named their kid that. Um, <laughs> but they so they kind of like are like, hey, why not you kind of be our ruler? And so then there's a party. Basically, it's, I mean, this is a hilarious. Like I, I said on when I preached this last time, like Netflix really should pick up the Book of Judges. Like it could be a good uh, miniseries. But he um, <laughs> he there's a party and Gaul is, has a little bit too much to drink. And he's kind of he's kind of fortified with liquid courage, so to speak. And he starts running his mouth about how much he, you know, I can take down Abimelech and he's not as bad as he thinks he is. And there's a guy, Zebel, who's kind of Abimelech's guy who's at the party, who sends message to Abimelech and is like, hey, this guy's running his mouth. Oh, by the way, he's also they're also partying. So if you gather the troops at night and, and come in the morning, you'll have the advantage. And so Abimelech does that in the morning when. Gaul, who's kind of probably hung over a little bit, looks out and he he thinks he sees the troops coming. And Zebel's like, dude, you need to have your eyes checked. And he's like, no, no, I I, I think I see troops. And Zebel's like, okay, where's your mouth now? You know, big boy, time to mm. put up or shut up. <laughs> and Abimelech wipes them out, um, wins the victory. The next morning when the citizens of Shechem think things are back to normal, the farmers go out to work the field. He attacks them. He salts the field so they become infertile uh, and then attacks the city. They go into the stronghold to try to protect themselves, and he burns the city with fire. And and, and Jotham's 
parable prophecy comes true. And then Abimelech tries to do the exact same thing at Thebes, and they go up in the tower, and he gets ready to set fire to the tower and burn it to the ground, and it just says a, a, just a random a random woman throws a millstone over the side, and it crushes the head of Abimelech. And then he doesn't want the headlines to say Abimelech was killed by a girl, so he has his armor bearer run him through. Interesting that that you know, happens again mm. in the scriptures. But um, and then after that, everybody just goes home, and and God has um, ha- has performed vengeance on uh, Abimelech and on Shechem, and has brought to fruition the prophecy that Jotham had told. Well, quite a story, Je- uh, Jeff. Anything you'd add on summary before we talk about textual questions? No, I think that's a, a great summary. Yeah. You're not making fun of him this time for his yeah, length on the, he on the summary? a bit this time, which uh, he's learned this lesson. You know, sometimes you have to fill him up. <laughs> it's also much, one chapter versus three, to, much, your, to your point. Yeah. Much improved, much improved. Yeah. <laughs> John, uh, any textual questions or kind of thorny issues there? There are, I mean, at least, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. The, the question of the evil, God using the evil spirit is certainly, you know, something that a lot of, your hearers are going to be like, what, you know, and, and, uh, need to be able to address that. And so we did, um, and just, and just said, you know, my, the way I kind of addressed it is look, um, God is sovereign over every creature, material and immaterial, uh, in the cosmos and can direct them to do and can use them for his purposes. And also, it, I mean, the book of judges is clear that, um, while Israel is not perfect and is sinful, and because of that, God uses nations to judge them. Those nations are not perfect and sinless. Right. And so God uses throughout the scriptures evil nations to bring about accountability for his people. Here he just chooses because Israel's kind of at war with themselves. And and yeah. so now he chooses an evil spirit to uh to to bring about those things. So, you know, if you've got a if you have a problem with that, then your your problems with judgment and with the sovereignty of God and and you know, while an unbeliever might have those um, questions, and rightfully so, believers um, should be able to accept that. Jeff, any uh, textual questions or, or things you'd bring up? No, and I didn't even spend that long on that God sending an evil spirit because, as yeah, for the reasons that uh, John said. Uh, but and we, I did bring out the fact that the, the unusualness here is there's no opposition from the outside uh this is internal problems going on here but also he did mention it's uh the within the text the similarities between how gail uh and the folks uh basically pulling a abimelech uh and trying to be king themselves and the, the comparing and the contrasting there with with gail getting an army together to be his own king just as what abimelech did earlier so it's just an interesting textual uh, note. Okay, uh, yeah, one other, just a couple other that that you know. Again, there's so much in Judges, and if you if you're not going to spend a year in it, you you kind of have to, as Jeff said, kind of run over some of this stuff. But there is a question that the whole Bel Barith thing, uh, the Baal of the Covenant. There is question of are they did they form a covenant with Baal so that Baal became their, their one God, like Yahweh was supposed to be, or are they, or are they doing a mixture of covenant with Yahweh with Baal? Um, that is, that is a textual question. I, I kind of see it as a, as a mixture, 
but others see it as them forming a covenant with with Baal. And then he's also called El Barith at the end of the story. Um, and uh, Block sees those as the same as the same figure. And I, I don't have any reason to disagree with him there. I would disagree with him at other points throughout Judges. But um, but I so that that is a question. And then just a textual note in terms of the storyline of Scripture. They install this idolatrous king as king at Shechem, which is significant because Shechem was the place where they renewed the covenant with the Lord at the end of, of Joshua. And, you know, the whole choose this day whom you're going to serve as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Um, and now they're institu- instituting and installing a murderous idolater who worships mm-hmm. Baal of the covenant rather than Yahweh of the covenant at Shechem. And so it's kind of mm-hmm. Keller, Keller says it this way. It'd be like it would be like reinstituting slavery at Gettysburg. You know, that, that kind of the, mm. the, you know, so that, that is just something there's a, there's a, there's a lot of just different echoes in the storyline. As I said, there's, there are echoes with, with Abimelech and the first King Saul. They're both killed by their armor bearer um, mm. and those kind of things. So there's just a lot of interesting things. Do you have anything you would add there? No, that, that's fine. This podcast is generously sponsored by the Pillar Network. The Pillar Network is a community of SBC and International Baptist churches that are doctrinally aligned, missionally driven, and committed to equipping, planting, and revitalizing churches together. If you're a pastor of an established church and you're desiring to lead your congregation to plant churches, but you're not sure how to get started, Pillar could be a great resource for you. Reach out to them today at thepillarnetwork.com. Thepillarnetwork.com. And then, John, let's jump into uh, Christ Center Connections. Yeah, so I I think there's two, um, you know, pretty clear Christ Center Connections. And and there's two. When I'm preaching this, I want to help. I want to preach as well as teach. And so I'm trying to help my people learn how to do this for themselves. Again, we're trying to make it Christ Centered and clear. So we want it to be something to where yep. they can see these these uh, textual clues. And, and it's not like, you know, only the super Jedi-ish Christ centered people can do this. And so two things I would say that there's any time, you know, not saying it works out every time, but any time in the text, you see a mass slaughter and there's a a kid who's hidden away from that slaughter. That's, that's a pretty big textual clue Um, because it happens with Moses and Pharaoh. Uh, It happens and it happens two times in Israel's history with, you know, two other times in Israel's history with, what I would call usurpers, the illegitimate people who are sitting on the throne. And so you have this episode <clears throat> with wicked queen Athaliah, who kills all the sons of David and Joash is hidden away for seven years. And then he comes out and is the one who's the catalyst to bring down this evil illegitimate ruler and establish the true ruler on the throne and to rescue Israel from the, interestingly enough there it's, um, you know, it's it's six years of tyranny under Athaliah, and it's the seventh year uh, that she comes out. That that you know, that's the same thing that happens with Midian. It doesn't exactly happen here in Shechem, but <clears throat> and then you have Herod, who's um, a usurper, who's not a son of David, who's illegitimate, illegitimately sitting on the throne of Israel. tries doesn't want there to be a rival king, uh, so he wipes out uh, just just like Abimelech wipes tries to wipe out all the the would be kings. And uh, Jesus is hidden away, and then he's the one who's the rescuer and the true king. And and so Jotham here, while Jotham does not perform the salvation, he he tells of 
judgment and then salvation through Israel through the judgment on Abimelech and Shechem. And so, so that's a, that's a key clue whenever you have the youngest being hidden away from slaughter, uh, that God's going to use that to overthrow the satanic schemes of the enemies of the people of God. And then, and then obviously we've, we've mentioned this multiple times in judges, but the, the crushing of the head of the enemy, um, is an echo of Genesis three. Uh, again, I would commend for anybody who wants to see this trace throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Jim Hamilton's article, you can just Google it. The skull crushing seed of the woman is traces this theme, uh, and it's like verbal uh, clues throughout uh, the Tanakh, uh, through the throughout the Torah, the the prophets, and the the writings. And um, and so you see that here. But what's interesting here is. Um, you know, not all Israel is Israel. Just because Abimelech is an Israelite, it does not mean that he's part of the people of God. He's he's a satanic figure, offspring of the serpent, but has his head crushed, and that brings some degree of rest. And then there's, you know, the next chapter you have uh, Tola that is used to save Israel, and it doesn't. There's no clue in the text to tell you who Israel is saved from. And I I think into chapter nine, beginning of chapter ten, they're saved from themselves. Jeff, what about you, Christ Interconnections? Yeah, that's, that's good. That's interesting, especially re- regarding Jotham. I didn't go that way, but that sounds good. Because this, I find even a little bit more difficult than some of the other judges. There's direct links, you know, even whether it's Samson, Gideon, Jephthah, and the next one. So, in many ways, easy to tie to Christ. And you're going, well, what about Abimelech? And, yeah, he's the one who gets crushed, uh, uh, his head crushed. So, him tying to Christ himself is difficult uh so i did bring uh chapter 10 verses 1 to 2 into my sermon as well as a 9 and uh, the fact that they forgot god's grace at the end of chapter 8 and so in many ways there was uh i sh- it was how god then raised up tola uh, to save israel and as john was saying who was that from what was uh, ultimately from themselves uh and how there, it was their own doing that brought sin and they needed saving and God raised up Tola. So I went to Christ through Tola as well as the fact that the opposite here of what was going on, they were all about a king for their own choosing, whether it was Abimelech, whether it was uh, Gal or Gael, uh, and we ultimately need a king of God's own choosing, uh, pointing to Jesus, mm. and then he raises up Tola and that they'd forgotten God's grace. Uh, so uh, again, the opposite. Uh, we need a God, a King of God's own choosing, not people who will raise them up themselves and point it to Jesus in that way. Jeff, you, mm. you messaged me after last week's and said you can't couldn't wait till I told you how great a guy Abimelech was. Were you relieved that I didn't preach uh, that? I, I, I did. Was uh, I was wondering about how you were going to manage that because you managed it to get in and uh, in chapter eight. So I was um, uh, I was sure you would pull some rabbit out of the hat, but there you go. Uh, but it is it is it is interesting again not that the judges are perfect people but but Gideon is clearly affirmed not yeah. just in Hebrews eleven but at the end of chapter eight Abimelech is obviously never affirmed no. um, and so we can we we definitely can have this I think great discussion about exactly which ways Gideon Samson mm-hmm. obviously we get to Jephthah and Samson how they point to Christ but clearly they do whereas Abimelech yeah. it is clear it is only in contrast yeah. Absolutely. So yep. he's antitype. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, he is. So he's different from many of the others uh, in that sense. Yeah. Some people call him. So some people, you know, I, I and I agree with this. I think it's Miles um, Van Pelt who talks about how um, there are 12 judges mentioned in the book of Judges and that Bimelech is not a judge. He is an anti-judge is what he called. He is what he calls him. And so and it really is the the completion to the Gideon narrative. Uh, yeah. It's an extension of that. So, Well, John, let's go then to, to making it clear. How did you apply, uh, kind of get from Christ to application for your folks? There's a lot of stuff that you can do here in terms of application. And um, there's a lot of stuff here that, I mean, I know Jeff at the conference is going to use Gideon to talk about pastoral ministry. And so there's a lot of stuff about leadership here. Um, mm. and, and then, and what kind of leaders the people choose for themselves and what kind of leader you are and, 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 and conflict that comes from within rather than from without. And I mean, there's just a lot of lessons and, and really honestly, a lot of, um, you know, analogies for our day and politics and church life and all, all these different things. But what I, what I chose to focus on again, just to not try to breach for an hour was, um, I focused on this idea of that wanting a king, a king of their own choosing and, and kind of what, what I did in terms of application is that the focus of my sermon was on uh, kind of just trying to make it memorable was be careful what you wish for um, was the kind yeah. of the idea that there are things that we think we want. And when we get them, they don't turn out the way that we thought they would. And so here it ends in mutual destruction. Um, and so I, so I set it up, you know, just kind of, trying to be funny with telling a story about our, our girls and one Christmas where the, the hot ticket item for that year, Ashley got up early, stood in line, you know, was with rabid shoppers and got them. And it's <laughs> like, the girls are going to love these and they opened them and never played with them, you know? And so it was just like, they thought, man, we have to have this. And then they get it. I was funny when I was, when I was talking with Ashley um, Saturday before I preached it, I was like, Hey babe, I need a great story on like our kids really, really wanting something badly and they get it and they don't like it. And she's like, uh, try every Christmas. (laughs) 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 So so she gave me a good specific one, but so I, so I kind of traced that theme through the, the story of they thought they wanted this with Gideon and then, and then with, uh, you know, your son after you and they, and they got it and they, it didn't, it didn't turn out well. And so I, I talked about how things in our life again, and, and, and I tried to make this distinction that, that it's not about having a King. That's the issue. It's about the kind of King that they chose. And that, that I think that's the point of the story of Jotham as well. And, um, and to say, look, it's not, it's not that relationships, success at work, financial provision, these kinds of things are, are bad athletic achievement, uh, academic achievement. It's not that these things are bad, um, but there are plenty of, of stories that I could tell you and testimonies I could tell you of people who thought that's the thing they really wanted. They achieved it and it, and it caused brokenness in their life. And then, and then I just tried to bring some hope and encouragement to people who are, who have, their own decisions and their own desires have led them to brokenness to say, you know, the great thing about the mercy of God is he takes the initiative to save us from ourselves and, and, and our decisions that we've made kind of, you know, Jeff referenced that with Tola and, uh, you know, just 
this random woman that he uses to crush the head of his enemy. Um, and so that's, that's how I, that's how I mainly applied it. I did, I did hit some offshoots of that whole, not Israel is not all Israel is Israel, that it doesn't matter. Your, your DNA doesn't matter. Your, your proximity to the things of God doesn't matter. It's about your relationship with the Lord and so forth. But that was the main thing I did in application. Jeff, what about you guys there in uh, Ballycullen? Yeah, I brought a little bit in on leadership as well. Uh, I'm seeking a, a leader. Is this the type of leader God requires, or is it one that we're just after ourselves uh, for whatever reasons? And, and you could apply that into different circumstances, uh, even youth leaders and what looks like a good youth leader or what uh, mm-hmm. doesn't. But then I brought out, which, you know, it is a fulfillment of the promises uh, and prophecy of Jotham. Uh, that really God's judgment is then working out and that sin leads to consequences and the disaster. And we see this unfolding in this narrative time after time, uh, that these poor decisions right from the end of, you know, the Gideon narrative in chapter eight mm-hmm. has led to sin and consequences and disaster and I applied it in, in that way to ourselves. Some things might promise much and might seem pleasurable, but it can lead to disaster, whether that's relationships, whether that's money, whether that's whatever circumstances is important, you know, an issue in, in the church. Uh, sin leads to consequences and disaster. So God's judgment works itself out over time. There's a, a, a mentioned Romans 1 and how God's wrath is gradually revealed as people are uh, against wickedness, as people are handed over to their own sinful desires. So that's a form of judgment in itself. And yet there is hope because this is all in fulfillment of God's word. God's still in charge. He's still the one he directed, the the evil spirit. He's doing all this. He's still uh, in charge and and then does bring salvation, raising up Tola. But we need to be saved from ourselves because... yeah, we're more sinful than we realize, and, and it has consequences. So ju- that was more what I focused on. Mm, good. I will say, too, just to add, I, I mentioned the, the Romans 1 as well, and I, and I said, because it goes with this theme of be careful what you wish for, is that judgment often, judgment often in the Bible is God actively judging. It's also depicted as God passively handing you over and just saying, hey, yep. if that's what you think you want, then let's... Let's go with it. And and I use too, so when I so I when I was tracing this in the sermon, I obviously use how that can play out right now in our lives, but then also how that, that can play out uh in eternity. Because I think it's C. S. Lewis, I think in the problem of pain, basically says, Look, heaven's the place where people say to God, Thy will be done, and hell is the place where God says to people, Thy will be done. And so now you know, you can nitpick that statement, but there's there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of truth in that where he just he 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 removed like as part of his grace is the restraint uh his restraining hand and when he removes that that's you know that clearly in the Bible is a sign of judgment. But I will say this too, another another way you could apply this text again, um, and we see this with so many of the rulers of Israel, is to talk about fatherhood and parenting and um and how this, you know, this can play out, the sins of the father can play out badly. We see this. Again, not just not just with Gideon, but with David. I mean, it's it gets progressively worse. So that um, David multiplies wives, Solomon multiplies wives and gods, and then Rehobo- by the time Rehoboam, he's he's got you know cult prostitution in Israel, and so it's this this spiral downward. 
um, where the sins of the father are, are kind of picking up steam. And so that's another key lesson. But as Jeff said, the, the main thing for me in the book of Judges, as it gets more and more depressing, it does contrast incredibly well with the unbelievable and undeserved mercy of God towards sinners. And that, I mean, there is there is literally like literally nothing within Israel that would that would warrant him continuing to do these things. Mm. And yet he does. And and so that's it's instructive for us, encouraging for us as well. Yeah, and I think that's the point of chapter 10, verse 1, after Abimelech, Israel, uh, Tola was risen up to save them, and there's no crying out at all uh, mm. of repentance or anything uh, for help. God just saves them. It's his initiative. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh, close down there, If unless you guys have anything else you want to add. Um, from there, we'll go to uh, Jephthah, and then obviously eventually into Samson, and uh, kind of finish up the book, and then who knows where we'll head, head next. But uh, appreciate you guys, and thanks for listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or text you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources. Mm-hmm.